All right, welcome back to another episode of the Epic Meta Podcast. Today we're going to be discussing uh, motivational books. Would you say that's fair, George? Yeah, or self help. I guess self help. Yep, self help, and uh, I think self help have been in the last few years kind of reframe into personal development of sorts. I think that's the new term that that I've come to like, at least. Uh, I'm not sure if you've um, come across that, but self-help is more 80s, 90s kind of feel and vibe to it. Uh, so I think the modern one is personal development. But regardless, that's the general topics for today. And um, yeah, from last episode, I think, or just, just from overall, I think we've kind of come across that we uh, either read or consume the same uh, I would say circle of books or uh, subject matter, so to speak. So that's uh, that's going to be out today's uh, topic. <laughs> There's definitely some so, overlap. Mm, all right, so let's start with um, uh, with the first book that you, uh, you you took some notes on, and I think we both read. And I think it's very very popular, and you know, millions of copy translated to multiple multiple languages is the seven habits of highly effective people by stephen covey so let's uh see what you got <laughs> <laughs> well so the seven habits are be proactive that's number one to begin with the end in mind three first things first four think win-win Five, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Uh, six, synergize. And seven, sharpen the saw. So be proactive. I mean, that's that's definitely... To, to somebody who's never been uh, exposed to the self-help genre mm -hmm. and is wondering why their life isn't going the way they want it to go, probably they're not being proactive. Would you agree with that? Mm. Uh, so, you know, zooming out further or going on a high level, there's there's always, I want to say economic conditions and, and where you are in the world and your life conditions and, and environmentals uh, come into effect as well. But mm -hmm. let's just assume, you know, you're in the first world and let's assume you have, everybody start out with, you know, the same, um, Equality and, of course, access to education, all that. I would say general unhappiness or unsatisfaction of life. Uh, yes, be proactive is a significant, um, you know, introduction of mental mindset that you need to have. And um, if you're not exposed to that, definitely in school, uh, I would say like, let's say high school, you know, I didn't. Unless I had, uh, I was lucky to get introduced to uh, some of these concepts by a, a business teacher who was an accounting teacher at the time, or a quote that you hear, uh, you know, hear uh, from some some significant uh, teacher of you. Uh, then yes, uh, I would say that that is uh, a clear advantage to how uh, you can frame your life or frame your uh, whatever you define as success is. Otherwise. You know, you're just going to go along with everybody else and think in a way that's very negative and, and blame others because it's, it's very easy to do. It takes less energy. So, yeah. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So there's a lot there. Um, 
And coupled with this idea of being pro being proactive is to take responsibility for yourself mm. and your actions. And there are things that stand in the way of, of a person taking responsibility. Um, one thing I can think of uh, that's been powerful in my life is, um, is shame. Mm. I, I think um, depending on, you know, it, and this is, uh, connected pretty deeply with with the role that your parents played in in your life. You know, if if you have like a low self esteem, uh, it probably dates back to that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and if you suffer with shame or low self esteem, it's kind of hard to be proactive because yes. because every time you are pro, you're you're effectively punishing yourself every time you try to be proactive because. Mm -hmm there's a, there's a sense that you're not entitled to be proactive. Yeah. So I, I think educate, uh, you know, let's just say American high school education for a standard of, of conversation here, because different people have come from different background and whatnot. But if we assume, or if we take into that consideration, you know, now being, you know, coming through the college and then of course working and exposing myself, different uh, education and materials and, all that kind of understand the, the industrial revolution and high school education as far as how they inter interline align makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense because what it is is you know the ability to read write but also not we don't celebrate or we don't uh, encourage you know things like passion or creativity per se and so if you take into context of industrial revolution with the factory uh, and just you know, <laughs> pumping out uh, products. Um, yeah, uh, you know, being being uh, taking control, for example, or taking responsibility. Um, you know, we don't. I mean, that's a cool idea, but you know, it doesn't have any practical application per se. And so, hmm. it's very. Well, it, I I think um, what you're referring to is the idea that um, the way the educational system was set up in the in the West mm -hmm. was to sort of train young people to be able to sit <laughs> in a, to sit still for a long period of time and focus mm -hmm. on specific tasks, which in effect trains them to be factory workers. Well, you said that, you know, we, we don't encourage failures per se. Right. And that's, that's really true. And if you, if you haven't come across this this book or or these concepts, you know that's not even in your realm of, oh yeah, looking at back, you know it's not so much, um, you know the individual person being responsible for themselves. Uh, we grew up in that system already. Now that says if you have come across this concept, uh, which for me, uh, and I, I want to ask you the same questions, I came across this. All this stuff, all the books that we mentioned and uh, will be listing, pretty much about 25 years old um, and beyond. And so I think to me that was kind of a disadvantage. I wish I was introduced to this stuff way early on, you know, in my teenage years, where kind of like all these system and ideas were introduced to me. So. Um, you know, certainly now, now I don't have an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very difficult. Uh, taking responses is just, you know, a very challenging way of, um, 
you know, being proactive is, is very difficult in my opinion, because I'm not used to it. It takes time for me to come to that conclusion. And then of course, do the things in my life that are aligned with that or are, um, you know, in, in conjunction with that. So, uh, what about you? When did you come across, um, this genre or this topic of, um, books per se? Yeah, very late in life. Uh, I'm 49 now, probably in my 40s was <laughs> when I first came. Uh, well, you know, I probably was exposed to them earlier, but they only, mm. the, the lessons that they impart stuck more in mm. my recent um, my recent life. And would you, would you say that it's, you know, if you could do it again or if you were, you know, change a certain factor, would you like to have been exposed to them early on oh yeah i mean I, I if i could do my whole life over i would do it right <laughs> <over>. <laughs> Definitely. and so for me when i was so the reason i was exposed or kind of jumped deep into this pool was uh, when i was 25 i got uh, laid off uh, for the first time and this was several years before the 2008 2009 uh, you know recession went back then and so at the time I feel very uh, dejected, you know, just all the feelings you come with being laid off and then somehow looked into, I was supposed to some already, but then I in, uh, went deeper into, um, uh, now we call them pyramid scheme, but at the time, you know, if you're in one, you kind of reject that, <laughs> reject that <laughs> nomenclature, you call it something else. And inside that world, personal development uh, was a very big encouragement. And so that's how I come across all these books. Because when you read one, you know, they recommend others. And then you, of course, do research and you find more and more. So um, you worked yeah. for a pyramid scheme? I did for a time. Yeah. What, not very. What was uh, it? It was, oh my God, I can't believe a uh, prepaid legal. Uh, so these days, I, I look back on I checked down in on them. These days, they're, uh, I would call them my. Um, uh, legitimate company because they switched the entire thing into a internet online subscription model kind of uh, service. So uh, that's what, it, that's what, what is the service they provide? Them? So the service they do is subscription pool access to uh, legal services. So let's say in the last few years, have you heard of, um, was it Rocket Legal or uh, Legal Zoom or these yes. websites that so you yeah. you know you get contracts uh, that are somewhat templates, but let's say you know you need some help with fighting a traffic tickets, or if you have a question about anything that's legal related, you would call a phone number, and because you're a member, uh, you get an answer from a lawyer, uh, and it's a pool of lawyer that you don't know, um, but they you know they volunteer to answer because it's a rotation, and so that's. That's the idea. It's um, kind of like legal insurance, which is a very normal concept in Europe, apparently. Like this, this is a thing. Uh, every, you know, it's just like a phone subscription or a, you know, entertainment subscription. You, you sign up and you have uh, access to it. So it's very optional, but. And the model of the business that you were in, what made it, what made it a pyramid scheme was that you were trying to recruit more people to sell Yes. And, yes. And so, based on the number of people that you recruited, yes, the more money you would make. Yes. Most most pyramid scheme or multi-level marketing, you can make money by actually selling, which a lot of time 
sure you can do that. But realistically, you know, in all reality, when you boil it all down, it's about recruiting other people. Uh, and so I can reject at the time, you know, of course, I can reject it all day long. But reality is it's very difficult to do. Um, very rare few number of six, six people can succeed with it. And the people who succeed are usually, you know, with all peers making the people that, that went in first. Uh, mm -hmm. And so they can recruit. They have more time to recruit people. And that's and, and they make money off of you recruiting the people who recruited yep. you make more yep. money. And that, that's what makes it a pyramid scheme. And correct. It's also what makes it unsustainable. Correct. Ultimately. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So but, what what is the connection between a pyramid scheme and the self-help principles? So uh, I was exposed to them because we do a lot of, uh, let's say, meetings or encouragement meetings or motivational meetings, I suppose, uh, or conferences or something like that. And a lot of time these, these, you know, help yourself do this for yourself. Because uh, at the time I was laid off and I came across the idea that, you know, going through high school and college, I expected uh, what I call automatic success, right? Kind of like the baby boomers coming out of, you know, high school and then just things are kind of automatic for you. And then when it didn't happen, uh, I would say my world kind of changed upside down and I realized I need to take care of myself, which is strange as a concept that I wouldn't know that already. But I think it's because mm -hmm. of the way you are taught to think in high school and college helped break you out a little bit, but you still are kind of in this automatic mode, at least for me. Uh, I didn't come across all this until that uh, dramatic event happened. And to me, it was, you know, it was a small dramatic event. It's nothing crazy uh, compared to things that are real earth shattering uh, in the world today. But uh, from that concept, I kind of get independence and you need to take care of yourself you need to run your own business blah 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 and all this um have been exposed to so it's one book to another that i uh, reach that chasm so to speak and then i get exposed to all these books too so they're not really related it just you know a small concept of um you need to take care of yourself and that's when i you know some of the other books we mentioned will be mentioning are how i came across some of them first actually but yeah uh, where my mind was going was um, the connection that I envisioned uh, you were going to say was that in order to sustain the, the pyramid scheme model, they had to keep everyone um, sort of had to boost their self-esteem. And so in a sense, it was sort of uh, uh, underhanded in a sense. That is, that is possible why so many of them, uh, leverage these kind of uh, information or resources. I, I wouldn't doubt it at all. But that's, yeah, that's very mm -hmm. possible. That's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, how, how did you I come across a, it? Well, I was just going to say, I, I have a, I had a similar experience to what you described um, in terms of, you know, I went to high school, went to college, and looking at the model that seemed to have existed when my parents were around. If you had a college degree, it meant that you were pretty much guaranteed a job that would pay a living wage and, you know, you could support a family and all that. And when I graduated college in 1993, there was a recession going on at that time. Mm. And just there, there were no, I didn't see any opportunities mm. in terms of having a career. It was like, 
I was on this roller coaster and then all of a sudden, you know, the, there was no track underneath me and I was mm, yeah. free falling. And it was a tough time because I, I felt uh, a lot of now humiliation they... and, and, uh, I, and hopelessness. Yes. Yes. So a lot of things are taken away from you when you're just kind of like, you know, sweep underneath your feet. So almost like, a just the rug pull underneath you. Now, were you, uh, already finishing college or, or you, are you, were you already working at the time of the 93 recession? Uh, I graduated in 93. So it was happening at the same time. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's really tough. Like, uh, for all the kids graduating this year and next year, like, like college, I feel really bad for them. Cause it's very, it's very shaky grounds. Uh, and it just, you know, you, you don't feel good at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it's tough going. So, yeah. And there, cool, were so many, you... there were so many other things that, you know, I felt sort of, uh, betrayed by. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Said, yeah. Yeah. The like, system didn't didn't promise what they promised, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, and, and just like the perks of of working in a for a company or whatever, it seemed like you know you'd get your own office, you you know have the space set up for yourself. <laughs> it seems like over the years they just whittled all that down. Yeah, you I know, don't think that dream is that you know whatever it's not uh, you know it's not active. I think it's a. Uh, subliminal marketing so to speak and really as a society we fool our, ourselves into thinking that way but things change so fast and and it's going to continue to change and so i think this kind of education it's important uh, but yeah you, you certainly feel cheated for would that be fair to say yeah and mm. and i i don't bring that up you know to uh to say that's that's my mindset, yeah, yeah, or to garner sympathy or anything like that. It's mm. merely to illustrate. Uh, I guess that um, the educational system that I grew up in sort of prepared me for something that mm. wasn't actually real, mm. and it took me, and it was really hard for me to make that adjustment. So. That's how I introduced it, or that's how I was introduced to some of these books that they, a friend gave to you, or how do you remember specifically that you just stumble upon one day researching, Googling for something, or how did it happen for you? Um, I think, I don't know. I, I can't, <laughs> I, I don't have a clear memory of that happening. I think I probably just stumbled across it. And mm. because I was sort of, I was looking for, that type of message mm. it, it resonated with me at the time and then that opened mm. the door cool mm. awesome um we can go to the rest of the topics but i rather moved on to the some of the next books that you have on the list because uh, we can't you know dedicate one whole show to uh one whole show to just one book but uh yeah let's yeah. would you do you want to do that or anything else that you want to well, point let's... out in the book um, so, well, the idea of taking responsibility, I think, just to sum this up, I, I think that's important in that, you know, the mindset that I had described, it was a mindset of not taking responsibility. Like, <laughs> all these all these bad things are happening to me and I, I am a victim and all that. Mm. When you take responsibility, you're, you're not a victim. You're, you're accepting the responsibility that, you know, it's up to you to make your 
own world. You know, the world doesn't cater itself or fashion itself for you necessarily. You have to, they're, they're, you have to be proactive. Mm-hmm. And, and in my particular case, um, I had an additional stumbling block to, to reach that, uh, realization because, um, there was something in me that told me that I wasn't entitled to do that. Mm. You know, it's like a personality yeah. defect. Yeah. And so I, you know, it was a, it was a perfect storm, I think. <laughs> of, yeah. I would say, you know, if you, and of course this is, this is like beyond all these topics. If you take the human mind as kind of like a computer, right. And if you, if you input a computer program with so many facts and, and whatnot and let it run, it's going to come out with certain solution and, and concept. And if we educate or, you know, just let's just say myself, for example, if I'm only exposing myself to certain information, you know, I'm going to think a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was at the time I was, I couldn't think of anything else, but like, this is terrible, blah, blah, blah. My life is falling apart blah, blah, blah. You know, I have all these anxiety for the first time in my life. I never had anxiety before. Mm-hmm. And being exposed to this kind of like reframe or reshift the, the paradigm a little bit. And, you know, I would say, you know, it's very hard to, um, you know, exercise new muscles or develop new skills when you're already used to something else. So yeah, in some way it's taking responsibility is the biggest and, <laughs> you know, the hardest step to, uh, to start all this um yeah yeah. and these these principles are not easy especially (laughs) if you're if you're used to thinking in the complete opposite way um and and i think that leads us nicely into the books uh think and grow rich and the secret Mm. which sort of um sell themselves as like a magic solution to, to making your life <laughs> go the way you want it. I certainly feel that way for the secret thinking girl reach. I have, um, uh, more of a tolerance for, because it was also one of the originals. I came, uh, original books. I read it, um, in that. I, so I read all this stuff and consume it in about a matter of three months. Mm-hmm. Wow. A lot of the books are from then on kind of space, you know, once every six months or a year, I'll, I'll read something or come across them. But uh, most, almost, I, I can, you know, I went all in and I just read them real fast, thinking that <laughs> I could <laughs> essentially download the information into my head, and not realizing it's, you know, you need to, um, because these are concepts, you can't just do them with your hands, right? It, it's, it's a, it's an exercise you have to do with your mind. And so now, you know, within the past, let's say five years or so, I've come become to understanding practicing and understanding are two different things. And so mm-hmm. you have to, or practicing or doing, or it's very different. So yeah, the time I, <laughs> let's talk about think and grow rich first. Cause, uh, well, okay. At the core of think and grow rich is the idea that if you just think <laughs> something <laughs> over and over again, and if you can sort of convince yourself to actually believe that it's true, Mm-hmm. that that will i guess kind of magically <laughs> cause whatever you're thinking and believing to manifest itself in your reality it'll yeah. it will appear on its own almost yes but you have to think you have to continually think the thought like so for example think and grow rich 
is focused on generating wealth. Mm-hmm. So if you if you're a poor guy, and but you st- it's because your th- your thoughts are poor thoughts. You're you're you mm-hmm. believe that you deserve to be a, a a poor person. So if you mm-hmm. can change the way you think to say no, I, I not only do I deserve to be rich, but I am actually rich right now, even though I don't <laughs> have any money in my bank account. Yeah. Um, if you can change your thinking and then believe it mm-hmm. even though it's not true it that will make it true yeah is, I think is that the, your understanding of it uh i've i've read it twice and i think i haven't read it for a long time so i have to reread it to be have give it a fair uh fair you know kind of uh, synopsis but i would say that's true and then i think the modern version of it is you know it's kind of like act as if that's a that's a that's a phrase that kind of like modern uh, personal development likes to take or the other one that's really popular is fake it until you make it. Uh, and so, but it's, it's not just that though. It's yeah, it's more because uh, it, you have to actually believe it, <laughs> believe that it's true. I you have think, to actually believe yeah. what is not true to be true. And then that'll make it true. That'll. Yes. I, I agree and disagree with it. Right. So when I read it the first, uh, I think first time, I agree with it. Second time I read it, I was like, okay, I kind of understand what they're going for. I wish they would just say it. And so I gave it less of a harsh criticism than I have with The Secret because in a sort of way, what you think affects what you say. And what you think and what you believe affects what you say. And then what you say affects what you do. And so you know, what is in your mind is going to affect your behavior. And then your behavior is going to affect everything else and so if you can control the original source of thinking like oh i'm always gonna be uh, broke or you know i'm never that good or um you know i'm not good enough um i'm always gonna be in debt stuff like that doesn't help to solve the problem when you're trying to face with all this crazy essentially let's say you know life difficulties it it, mm-hmm. it doesn't do anything for you to think no. that way and so, in that regard, I completely agree. Um, you know, it, I liked, and, and it and not course, only doesn't do anything for you; it, it actively hampers your correct, correct. Because you, you know, I think without blaming anything else, most it, it takes less energy to blame somebody else. Like you're just, you know, finding fault in <laughs> the situation yeah. or the fault is somehow very less energy consumption. And so, our our minds uh, tend to pull that way. But yeah. Um, yeah, love to think and grow rich in that context. And uh, there's a connection so- to the hero's journey here. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, in order to move forward to the next step, you have to face a fear. And obviously, mm. uh, there's a fear of failure mm. when you're in that mindset. So it's yeah. even though you, you are a failure when you're um, unsuccessful. It's safe to stay in that position because if you try and reach past that and then get hammered back down again into, mm. then that's that's worse. <laughs> yeah, so, there's a lot of understanding yourself, and I think that's all, all these you know all these books and all this um, um, genre make make you face reality with regards to yourself. Like you have to face the mirror. I think uh, I remember now why I like thinking we're rich more. Than some of the other stuff, because if I correct me if I'm wrong here, 
the author was interviews uh, at the time, let's say like a hundred different super successful person that he can have access to. Was that was that the, your memory I, of it? Yes. Uh, well, okay. that's that's the claim. Um, mm. It's. I think there's material out there that sort of casts doubt on that. Refute. That he, yeah. Refute that. That he actually. Um, interviewed all these people and got this mm. information from them. But it's, <laughs> it's a really interesting book, not only, um, you know, the, the ideas that it puts forth, but it's written in like this 1930s style, um, you know, uh, hard scrabble, almost yeah. cliched, but, but very sure of itself. And, yeah. um, and I found and it's entertaining. I, I found it just the style that it's written mm. because you don't, people don't talk that way anymore. People don't communicate that yeah. way anymore. Yeah. So it's, it's very uh, bought into Christianity um, for one thing. Mm. It's very bought into probably white supremacy. I would imagine, you know, cause it, it existed in that world where, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. white, Christian man was in charge of things in, in America. Yeah. So you got, I would say you got, you know, each of the things you now knowing who I am and knowing like, you know, how ideas and concepts work, just, just pick out, um, pick out things you like about it and not, you know, judge the whole context of the work uh, in, in, in everything. But yeah, no, big fan well, of it as well. well I actually, I actually have... found that refreshing, not, not <laughs> in the sense that I, I, you know, am a proponent of white supremacy or anything like that, mm. but just people are afraid to talk like that anymore. That, that mindset, uh, has been considered taboo, I guess, and, and not definitely not politically correct. So to well, hear someone communicating in that fashion, um, was almost like a breath of fresh air and not, not in the sense that, you know, I wish for a world uh, of white supremacy. I, it's more like, you know, just the confident. There's a there's a confidence behind it, a self confidence, mm. um, and I think people are not all that self confident. Uh, confident these days. Yeah, it, I don't remember. I just remember it was written in the sense of uh, not archaic English, but you know, very. Um, it was different, different context and different um, uh, wording. And, and of course, um, it's like, have you um, ever seen those mob movies from the thirties or whatever, where they're like, look mm -hmm. here, see, or, you know, yeah. like the Jimmy Stewart yeah. movies, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's like yeah. from that mindset. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Definitely a big fan of it. I actually, I used, I think I gifted away some of my copies over time of, of that book. Uh, Cause once I understand the core of it, I, of some of these books, I uh, essentially what I call them are perennials. I have to, <laughs> I wish, and of course I want to reread them. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but mm -hmm. um, Think of Grow Rich wasn't one of them. I, I think I read it a few times. So I'm like, okay, I kind of understand the concept now. Uh, whereas some of the other books, I have to reread them because I constantly fail, uh, you know, doing certain basic things. Um, for example, Seven Habits. I think two or three of the habits I'm completely <laughs> not doing right now or have you know take it's gonna take a lifetime to master it but uh, let's talk about the uh, the secret um okay 
Well, it, oh. as I said, it's a, it's a similar idea to Think and Grow Rich, but it's sort of watered down and, and <laughs> dumbed down, I guess. It, yes. Like if Think and Grow Rich is the target audience is, you know, like a, a young man trying to make his way in the world. Mm-hmm. The target for the secret is probably like a, a housewife that's bored, <laughs> you know. Or, yeah. It's very Oprah uh, talk show vibe. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, and it's it's woo woo, it's new age, yes. it's it's all that. But the idea is the same: that mm-hmm. if you believe, <laughs> if you want something that you don't have, mm-hmm. and but you believe you have it, mm-hmm. then it, it will it will materialize in your life at some point. Yeah. I, uh, and if you, if you didn't get it yet, it means that you don't believe it enough. So it's sort of like self, uh, (laughs) self-fulfilling prophecy. It's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. I have a harder criticism of it only because I felt head over heels for this idea and, and book at the time. It's more than a book now. It's like, you know, whatever a video and all that stuff. Uh, but yes, at the time, uh, I, I think I've only read it one time, completely fell in love with it, uh, totally was dedicated to it. And I think as time passes on, realize, yes, <laughs> it is mindset, but there's also this thing called reality as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I heard like a comedian, you know, comment on it. I'm like, okay, uh, I would just, you know, totally under this this magical spell for this book. Uh, but at the I same think time- I think it's sort of not only is it targeted to housewives in vibe, but um, it, it's also targeted to take advantage of, of vulnerable people. I, mm. I, people who um, want an easy answer or a magical solution yes. to their problems. Yes. And, Critical thinking is not highly encouraged, you know, because if you, because you you have a background in law, right? So you know there's yeah. uh, dissertation and philosophy. Kind of when you when you propose a, an idea or concept, you you kind of counter argue yourself uh, mm-hmm. so that you can you know you're like having a fake argument in this gigantic essay with philosophy. You, you do that to that you counter the point that's already coming up if, if somebody's you know having a conversation with you. Secret does not do that at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so later when I uh looked at it again i'm like oh my god what was wrong with me but you know it, it's very emotion driven yeah you and... were vulnerable at the time correct correct yeah <laughs> so yeah as we all are you know, i think different. the secret has its time and place and certainly you can't dismiss it out of hand but there's a lot better now uh some of the stuff i came across or or have been coming out most recently has been more and more uh much more helpful in my in my um understanding uh, i I think it i think there is value in it in that you know if you're in a bad place and your thinking is depressed and you're feeling hopeless Mm. to find a book like that can help to change your mindset to a more positive like maybe there is hope yeah um you definitely hate yeah yeah it can kind of reignite some excitement in yourself which and so that is valuable Mm. Um, but then you can come to believe that that method alone will get you what you want. And then when it doesn't, 
you can you can be disappointed. <laughs> yes, it can backfire real hard when you realize that's not how you know reality works. But that's it's okay because it gives you you know that door to uh, to the rest of everything else. But yeah, I think that's uh, it has a time and place. So that's um um you know I don't like it as much as some of the other stuff we uh, we go through or some of the books we were mentioning. But yes, mm-hmm. it, it has a, so <laughs> iffy a, about it. A common practice that is advocated in both Think and Grow Rich and The Secret is to uh, repeat a mantra over and over again in order yep. to get your mind to to think whatever that, that ma- mantra I'm, I'm is. Actually, I agree with that. Um, uh, I call them, uh, I call them affirmations. Yeah. And so I I don't verbally say some stuff, but when I doubt certain things, and I think I did this for about six months when I was switching careers from technical support into into sales actually mm-hmm. wrote down about a chunk a paragraph uh, one of them is like i'm a you know successful uh, salesman uh, i would achieve my quotas something like that to to that effect and i think i did it for about a certain amount of time uh, a few months to where uh it is the base of my operation mode uh, and so i don't you know now now the the modern uh, or let's say buzzwordy thing is the um, imposter syndrome. And I think this is the cure to that uh, when people suffer from imposter syndrome or feel like they don't deserve the success they have or something like that. Um, so so you actually employed an affirmation and it, it had the effect of changing mm-hmm. the way you think? Okay. Yes. So Think and Grow Rich and The Secret uh, definitely pushed that idea more. And I actually practice that because I think it has psychology um, root um, in in how the application can occur. And so I think Mm -hmm. it actually does matter in that sense. So that's what I took away from it and uh, kind of forgot which book it came from. But I I I would say I'm a big fan of it and support it, support that concept. So I I um, tried repeating an affirmation. For a long time, I had it mm. on my t- daily to-do list, and I would do it every day. And, mm. um, and eventually, I just stopped because mm-hmm. I don't know that I came to any realization that um, that it wasn't effective. It, but it must have not been effective because it just sort <laughs> of left my routine. And it was a tremendous uh, burden was lifted off my shoulders when I when I yeah. came to the realization that I don't have to do this every day. You know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, no. And the book, um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by mm-hmm. Mark Manson, he mm-hmm. talks about, um, he uh, makes the statement that affirmations are actually harmful. Because yeah. if if you say to yourself every day, I am a millionaire, <laughs> you know, or that it only reinforces the fact that you're actually not a, a millionaire. Yes. In your yeah. Mind. So I, the, I guess what I'm getting at is there's probably an effective way to do affirmations, but it's more than just mm. repeating it. Yeah. Correct. And it seems like you um, achieved that. So I'm interested to know if there's something more to it. Than, I would say, to... yeah, I would say take into context and psychology matters a lot. And knowing who you are too, and uh, you can't just say random effort. Well, not random, but you know, I'm a millionaire, or I'm going to be an NBA superstar. When you have no <laughs> practical basketball skills, or have never played basketball in your life, or did anything, 
now however if you're an nba star right now right and let's say you're gonna say you know i will achieve i will help my team achieve the nba um you know championship this year or next year and you have a real chance you know you have a real coach uh, then doing that stuff allow you to practice harder and to drive you at the minimum if nothing else say you've done the best you can do and mm-hmm. i think that's that's for me is to you know when you're when you have doubt within yourself versus when you do an affirmation that is an end goal so mm-hmm. an affirmation i think if you want to be helpful it has to be about you and changing your skill set and believing more of yourself than achieving an end goal so when an when when an affirmation is you know i'm gonna be the best in this uh well you know what is this and <laughs> what is your well you know what what is that pool of uh competitors and how do you compare yourself because you can get trapped real quick when it doesn't happen and then of course hurt yourself more uh so it, i think so it's... P- part of what i'm getting from you is that the goal of the affirmation has to be something that's um, achievable. Yes. It has to be realistic. Yes. It can't be uh, unrealistic. I don't know where I came across this, but uh, I think it was one of my, one of my uh, pyramid scheme time was is smart goals. S M R. Uh, yeah. S M A R T. And mm-hmm. one of the, the R is for realistic. Uh, and that's very hard for, well, you can, you can, it's a trap that people can fall into if it's not realistic enough. Uh, so, yep, yep. So maybe that's where I failed with my affirmation. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, you have to determine it yourself, right? But, um, yeah. yeah. Sim- so, uh, and, and that, that connects with the whole believing it's true mm. um, concept in that if it's really an unrealistic goal, then you probably don't actually believe that it's possible. Yeah, but but if it is realistic, you're more apt to to actually believe it. Yeah, and it's really hard to be objective, which is why when I was you know completely in love with the idea, and then later on, you know, have a harder criticism of it is I I realize reality, and of course, certain economic conditions. There are factors outside yourself that you cannot control, and mm-hmm. if you always go around with this concept, you know, geez, it's it's not healthy. Uh, you have to accept reality at some point too. <laughs> yeah, and, so, and I think I think that's a failing of the secret. Is it encourages mm. you to adopt unrealistic goals? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, this. Please don't uh, read that book. Uh, it, it, you know, read that book with a certain critical uh, mindset going in. Otherwise, yeah. it's not healthy. Should we? <laughs> I think you uh, mentioned Mark Ma- Manson, which yeah. I have not read. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the Wikipedia, Wikipedia website right now. And I say it's very, I would say it's more contemporary. Uh, it is. And it's written yeah. in kind of a sarcastic uh, tone. Which I think I would like. I mean, the title alone. <laughs> yeah. Big fan of it already. But when I saw it at the time, I don't remember what I was doing, but I was like, I'm good. I, I already do this, <laughs> which I've done most of my life. I, I do, you know, I switch majors a few times. I change career a few times. And mm-hmm. so uh, uh, I, I was, of course, uh, being, uh, because it's like too pompous, but I'll probably read it, you know, if I come across uh, the time to read it. But um, at the time when I saw the title, I'm like, yep, I'm already doing that. <laughs> 
How did well, you uh, how did you take it or like it? Um, I liked it. I mm. I thought um, so. The whole idea behind not giving a fuck it, it's not so much not giving a fuck about anything. It's more choosing what you care about and focusing mm. on that, and then not caring about the things that aren't you know important to you. Yes. Yes. And another concept that he talks about is allowing yourself to fail. Mm. See, I I think, and I definitely uh, include myself in this trap. Uh, When I was a kid, and I may have said this before um, on our podcast, I I wasn't very good at sports. And Mm. when I would play sports with other kids, I would end up humiliating myself because I wouldn't wouldn't catch the ball or I wouldn't hit the ball, you know, with, mm-hmm. or, you know, all these things. And so at some point I made the decision that I wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself in that position and mm. uh, yeah. to avoid being humiliated. And, but that just all but assured that I would never get <laughs> yeah. good at sports. Cause you have to, you have to, yeah. put, you have to play sports in order to get good at them. Right. And um, so this is the concept of, of failure. You learn from your mistakes. You learn from failure. And Toastmasters definitely um, yeah. educated me in this realm. You know, you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable. You can't be afraid to humiliate yourself. And this, of course, ties back into the hero's journey. You know, yeah. all, all these things <laughs> tie into each other, which is interesting. Yeah, I think that's that's really core to everything else is the ability to keep going or the ability to keep trying. Uh, and learn from your mistakes, which we don't encourage in our high school education curriculum at all. Uh, no, maybe, yeah, mistakes are punished. Yes, maybe some in college, but not really. Uh, and if you uh, study science, uh, then you have a better chance of kind of understanding, you know, things don't work, you try it again, uh, or everything is an experiment. But mm-hmm. outside of that, everything else, you have to succeed. Otherwise, you're, you fail and it's bad. Um, but that's not really how life works. And that's that's such a core concept that is very hard to teach with <clears throat> you know, high school curriculum like class to class. How do you how do you share that without, you know, reading one of these books and changing the way you think? And um very I, I haven't read this book, but it, it's gonna be on the list of, you know, mentioned books that maybe you have, but um mm-hmm. I've I've heard the TED talk and then seen the author interview. Um, which is called the growth mindset. I think in the last several years, it's by Carol Dweck. Have you come across this or heard of it before? Uh, no. So Carol Dweck is a um, child psychologist for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. She's also um, a PhD at a Stanford University and whatnot. I'm not sure if she's still teaching, but definitely a TED Talk, wrote this book. And this mindset of growing and learning and uh, being able to make mistakes uh, is something that she, you know, the book and of course her whole thing is pushing towards. And I think it's so important now, along with uh, now that you mentioned some of the other stuff, very important to push toward, especially teenagers, um, to know that they can fail you know, and not be good at everything. Uh, and it's okay. And so that, yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. And it's important to learn this young because, um, <laughs> you know, your, your mind is still moldable at that point. And the mm-hmm. older you get, the less moldable it becomes. So it's very hard to yeah. break out of those patterns if you wait yeah. too long, which I did. 
<laughs> so well, take it from it, me. It's, it's more of a, I would say it's, um, uh, it'll take more work and you have to do more stuff to re, uh, reconnect the, the pathways in the brain. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's never too late kind of thing, especially with anything that's, you know, mental, um, you know, not physical. Then, then you have time to do it. But yeah, big fan of that con concept as well. Anything else stand out for you? Well, Mark Manson also talks about taking on responsibility. And, and so does mm. Jordan Peterson too. This is a concept that um, spans, I think, all self-help. <laughs> and yeah. it's what Mark Manson specifically says is that you know, everyone is, is responsible for every decision that they make. Mm. So you know, you might not, you might not, um, you might find yourself in, in a situation that is unfair for mm. whatever reason. And you didn't create that situation yourself. Um, so you're responsible though, however, for how you react to that situation. Yeah. So even though you, you don't feel like you're responsible for creating the situation, you're still responsible for how you react in the situation. Mm. I think that's an interesting point. <laughs> that's your most very critical point. I think uh, somewhere I come across the concept respond and not react. I'm not sure it was one of these books or, or something that, that's always stuck with me. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I try as much as I can. It's not easy. <laughs> you know, the human mind is not perfect. And you have all kind of chemicals running around. And when certain things happen, uh, let's say that are upsetting, you have a tendency to react. Uh, and most people do. And so it's very difficult to take yourself out of the situation and then mm -hmm. critically think because you, you can't think uh, when you're in that um, that zone, so to speak. Uh, have you come across work that talks about the human brain with either the lizard brain and the neocortex and all that stuff? Um, so there's two books that were very impactful for me. Um, and they're not, they're more psychology than they are, uh, uh, like personal development, mm. but they are personal development. If you deal with these issues, uh, mm. one book is called, uh, healing, healing the shame that binds you by this guy, John Bradshaw. Mm. And then there's another book called complex PTSD, um, by, uh, Pete Walker. And it's, it, they both deal with the with the subject of of shame and like a mm. lot of people are afflicted i don't know if you are but um i that was a big uh hurdle for me to cross um mm. I, I just grew up with a very low self-esteem i i was a, i was mortified uh, mortified of being humiliated mm. you know and so i just sort of retreated into this into this like cocoon world and mm. it's the exact opposite of what you need to do. You know, you got to go out there <laughs> and be proactive. Try. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and risk, yeah. risk these fears. I would say I'm lucky. Well, first of all, uh, anyone that's Asian, uh, I'm not sure if you come across an Asian comics on YouTube or something, they'll, they'll talk about this, this topic very heavily. Um, so, if you don't know already, most Asians uh, coming from, especially Southeast Asia or immigrants, you know, in, and and now that I listen to multiple comedians, it, apparently it's the same. They confirm it. 
<laughs> you have limited career options growing up, uh, especially if your parents are immigrants. Uh, and I myself an immigrant, so it's different, uh, a little bit different for me. But generally, you are almost expected and required to follow certain career path, right? And mm -hmm. so when you don't achieve certain things, it brings shame not just on you but on the family as well. So what you what you experience come across to many 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 people uh, that are Asian backgrounds. Uh, especially with school and career. Uh, and mm -hmm. so they, they have a very high pressure of achieving success. And so I would say I'm lucky to escape that only because um, my family is unique in that I'm the uh, youngest sibling. Mm -hmm. And so growing up, uh, my family is different because we, <laughs> we have a tendency to make fun of each other and uh, somewhat uh, cause mental stresses when <laughs> we're little kids. Mm -hmm. uh, so I... I have, you know, even as a young age, felt that before, but it's not such a big deal because uh, being the youngest sibling, uh, you know, you've come across psychology work before. They have a tendency to be the, um, uh, the I'm the child. youngest as well. Yeah, so you're like, depending on your family, of course, everything time to context, the, the jolly or the the joke maker or kind of person that bind everybody together. Mm -hmm. uh, that was somehow some of my personality as well. So while I do have that problem, um, I don't I don't really care uh, to a certain point. And that's you know going back to Mark Manson, certain things I don't control. And if I make a goof of myself, then so be it. Um, you know, kind of like the class clown mentality, mm -hmm. uh, so to speak. So that's really my only way out of it, for lack of a better term. But it's mm -hmm. not really an escape, right? Because you never until you. Uh, have come across these concepts, you're still in that, you know, just tempor temporary escape. Uh, but somehow I lucked out enough to come across this. Plus, my original upbringing kind of helped me navigate uh, certain things in life. Where, like when I'm I'm not good at it, I, I can accept that and, you know, just do my best. So, mm -hmm. yeah, luckily. Yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting how you described um, you know, the, the Asian uh psychology of like shame and um huge yeah it's it, huge but it, it seems like that shame works to motivate you to achieve whereas the shame that i experienced sort of kept me in a box yeah it depends so, on i think culture makes a culture have a huge impact on you know where you grow up and how how it does that um but certainly no i think it's um I have a unique experience, but certainly shame in regards to, you know, your life is over uh, when you fail certain thing is not healthy. <laughs> and <No. laughs> so I escaped right at the right time because, you know, we immigrated and I came over right at 11. And I know there's a, maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't, but uh, from junior to high school in Southeast Asia and China included, you have to take an exam to go to high school. Uh, and same with mm -hmm. college. Uh, and it's, think of it as an, you know, uh, SAT or something like that, that is nationally determined. You have to do it. There's no option. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Um, and if you, what are the consequences of doing poorly on the exam? Uh, family pride is a big deal. And then basically career tra trajectory as well. So I can't speak for economics in like everywhere else, but certainly, for example, let's say Japan, this is the only example I know for clear. Um, you go to technical school versus college and university immediately from that one score. 
Uh, and there's no like, oh, let me go to class at night and become, you know, get a degree. It's just not culturally cool or like there's no path. Like is physically, it, is it possible to do that? I don't it's not know. Possible. I don't know, but I can know. I know uh, uh, China adopted that kind of education model, uh, mm-hmm. and same with Vietnam as well. So this one gigantic test at the end of your high school career determined almost everything, um, and so it can be a real bummer when you don't, um, you know, when you don't do that. Now certainly now, you know, within the last, you know, economics and movie stars and of course life had some other options available but at the core of it from a long time especially still now in japan i think it still is a big big deal um and this affects you know certainly your your mindset for the rest of your life if you don't come across some of this information right Mm -hmm. so yeah pretty interesting uh did you so travel rules for life uh when did you come across that um, so I had listened to Jordan Peterson's uh, podcast mm-hmm. and, and seen some of his videos and, and thought they were interesting. And so that naturally led me to reading his book. Would you recommend it as like, let's say, you know, you have to read this book um, as a teenager or, or anything like that? Yeah, I, th- I think it would be definitely helpful. Mm. Uh, one thing that I like about Jordan Peterson is he stands up against um, there's a lot of BS associated with political correctness as far as I'm concerned. And um, he's not afraid to thumb his nose (laughs) in that direction, Mm. which I find refreshing because it it seems like very few people are willing to, to take that stand. Was the book about politics? (laughs) No, it's about, it's about, these are 12 rules that if you follow them will either turn your life around from a negative state to a positive state or will, you know, reinforce your, your, um, your ascent up and then, you know, improving your, your life. So Mm. it's, it's very, um, it's very much uh, self, what was the term? Self-development, personal Mm -hmm. development. Both. Yeah. Mm. Personal development. Yep. I haven't read it, so I can't give uh, any opinion about it. Um, so I, I can yeah. give you an example of like the first rule is stand up straight with your shoulders back, and th- it's a a whole chapter where he <laughs> describes um, the serotonin system in lobsters and how mm. uh, like lobsters will uh, have territory. And sometimes like a bigger lobster will come in into the territory and challenge the other lobster for, for that territory. And yep. they'll, they'll fight each other. And at a certain point, the lobster, it'll, it'll become apparent which lobster is dominant. <laughs> and the non-dominant lobster will, it, there's like this ritualized behavior where, where it will sort of back off and, mm-hmm. But as a consequence of losing that fight with the more dominant lobster, the lobster's brain actually dissolves and a new brain replaces it with oh, wow. a, with, um, and it's like the circuitry keeps it in the, in its less dominant place. Uh, 
Yeah. So it 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 lobsters apparently have a serotonin uh, system that <laughs> is similar to humans. Mm. We have a common ancestor mm-hmm. <laughs> millions and millions of years ago. And yeah, it's like when serotonin is it's it's a brain chemical that makes you feel good and confident and mm-hmm. um so a less dominant lobster will have less of that. So their mm. their brain chemistry actually reinforces their their status in life. Yeah. And um so Jordan Peterson relates that to humans who who walk around <laughs> with you know their shoulders slumped and sort of are are presenting themselves mm. to the world that they're they're uh submissive. And yeah. actually their brain secretes less serotonin than it otherwise would. So if you actually mm. um make the point of standing up straight and putting your shoulders back so you're like acting as if you know, mm-hmm. we discussed that your brain will actually start to secrete more serotonin and you'll actually mm. start to be become that um person that you're imitating. Yeah. This so remind me of um yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say that, that so there's actual scientific brain chemistry mm-hmm. at work behind these principles as well. This reminds me of a TED talk from Simon Sinek. You, I'm sure you have you heard of that name? No. Who's that? Simon Sinek is an author as well. Uh, one of his started out as a TED talk, but he has books now. And one of the bigger book uh, that's pretty famous is called Start With Why. Have you heard of that? I think so. Yeah, it's a huge leadership kind of. It's not personal development, but it's more like leadership and mindset kind of category. Mm-hmm. And the TED talk I watch, he talked about serotonin plus uh, four other chemicals, uh, three other chemicals. And so combining them, certain things that you do and certain things you say, um, you know, help you achieve better cohesion and team uh, unity. Uh, and so it makes a lot of sense when we see punishment versus reward. And how team structure and, of course, corporate structure as well, um, people follow uh, certain people because of certain, even if you make a mistake as a leader, people still follow you and forgive you. And the team is more healthy. uh, And he talked about the chemicals, uh, serotonin being one of them. Uh, So, yeah, it reminds me of that. Interesting. Uh, Any other rules that stand out for you in the the 12 rules? Uh, Okay. I'm looking at them now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so here's a rule compare yourself to who you were yesterday not to someone else today Mm. Mm. and and i that rings true to me because sometimes facebook (laughs) can definitely uh this is bad i think two episodes ago or one of the episodes you actually talk about this you you have a uh, let's say like a challenge yeah i think one of them you mentioned other people's opinion you care about uh, other people's opinion of you you care about a lot uh i think certainly historically i less <laughs> less so now yes I, i've, I've yes. evolved a little bit yes um, and that that goes back to the whole shame thing right mm. it's like a, a an, an obsessive fixation on <laughs> on your status and and yes uh, yeah I, and, I would say you're not alone in that you know i think me included i've definitely have you know, venture into to this world as well. And it's very, it's self, it's down spiraling. So it's very hard to escape, uh, but, but you have to. And it yeah. feels like Facebook is sort of designed no. to, yeah. to 
put you in that mindset. <laughs> Correct. I last year, I think, or two years ago, I don't remember the time, but I definitely took Fabus off my phone, uh, and and certain um, you know certain things like that. I definitely just just not allow myself to access it, and I have families abroad. And beside all the political things, which I really want to quit Facebook, like let's see, 2019 or whenever um, that huge, oh, I forgot the guy's name, but there was a huge uh, ProPublica, I think is the name of the company. It's a British company that gather data intelligence. It's a huge break. Basically, Facebook violate a lot of uh, data, personal data of privacy. So mm-hmm. beside politics and, and technology wise, uh, just the mental thing, I, I've always wanted to quit Facebook. But I can't really do it because I have family uh, abroad. <laughs> so where they don't, you know, obviously they don't care about this stuff and it doesn't affect them. And it's more like, uh, you know, sharing pictures without constantly calling each other. It, it takes a lot of work to stay connected when you're not, <laughs> you know, living in the same vicinity. Uh, yeah. Certainly if you have family or friends, you know, worlds, uh, you know, the other the side of the, the, other side of the, the planet, um, uh until another, you know, another Facebook occur, um, you have to kind of use that tool to stay in touch. So, yeah, I, I have gone through periods where I, I removed Facebook from my phone and stuff and, mm-hmm. and, and, it, you know, it, a very positive psychological effect occurs, mm-hmm. <laughs> in, mm-hmm. you know, directly from that. So mm-hmm. I, the reason why I have it now is there's, some groups that I belong to that use it to communicate. So yeah, if, if I don't have Facebook, I'll, I won't be in the loop. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I find myself unfollowing almost everyone. Yes. <laughs> on Facebook. Yes. Or mute them or, and it's the same thing right now with a lot of, I would say generation Z or teenagers going through, you know, having the same kind of, a negative self-reinforcing feeling when they go on uh, another thing is Instagram where they see a lot of, you know, vacation pictures for like a term. Yeah, and then there's yeah. a huge whole like thing about fake vacation pictures, fake fitness. There's a whole thing about it. And I'm so uh, happy and glad, I suppose that I kind of pass over this problem, uh, so to speak, uh, where I don't constantly, uh, of course I do it sometimes, but you know, I compare myself to a certain context. Everything has a context. And if you mm-hmm. constantly just reinforce yourself with, with wrong context, you're going to feel terrible. Uh, and so, like, I'm very careful now to, you know, understanding how I feel, like, psychog- psychologically speaking, uh, and control that as much as I can. But, yeah, uh, your it's environment. Hard. It, it's hard yeah. not to do. <laughs> very, yeah. very, yeah. It is. And I think... Uh, Simon Senek and maybe Jordan Peterson touch on that psych- psychologically. We have, you know, the brain evolved over millions of years, right? And and you boil it down to it, this. That's why they have they call it the gut instinct. And I, I read it somewhere. Yours, the little lizard brain inside your big brain, have a nerve that goes all the way down your spine, mm-hmm. and it actually connects to uh, like essentially your stomach. Uh, this is, you know, where fight and flight uh, instants occur, mm-hmm. and so it gives animals the ability to just, you know, decisively make a make a decision. And we, as we grow over time, our brain evolve, but 
that brain can hijack all the higher functioning real fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah, and, and it not comes only out, that, yeah, not only with fight or flight, but also with addictions and, um, yeah. you know, any of the core chemicals like serotonin uh, of you know the brain it hijacks and control the release of certain chemicals, uh, and so like stress is occur when you have that brain takes over and it release so much, uh, you know, negative chemical for, for lack of a better term, because I'm not mm -hmm. a doctor, but that's what happens because you, you agonize over between your two, two brains trying to fight each other. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So to and, speak. And you can, I mean, we walk around the world thinking that we have this like unified consciousness, but we actually mm. don't. There's actually there's actually multiple consciousnesses existing within our our brains. Mm. Our, our, you know, brain is the wrong word there, but our system. Our, yeah, system. Let's say. And this is a perfect example. You have, you have the primitive brain fighting with the um, with the more evolved, you know, prefrontal cortex. Mm. And actually, there's been. Have you heard of the split brain um, experiments? Uh, no, but I was gonna bring up thinking fast, thinking slow. Have you, have you come across that book? I think no. it's for you, actually. I, I want to recommend you you that book because I have it and I have not finished it, and I think it talks about this problem. Uh, but instead of talking uh, biology, it talks system. So talks about uh, a system of a brain thinking fast and the other system thinking slow more deliberately. But the gentleman who wrote the book is super scientific <laughs> and I could not consume the material. So mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't finish it. Uh, I basically read summation of it and, and then move on. But I would highly recommend it. It's Daniel Kahneman and okay. I'll, I'll link it. Uh, all the books that we're talking about, I'll, I'll, I'll have all the links and I would recommend you this book because I think you have, uh, more capability of digesting the information than I do. See, so so it can benefit you more than I do. You were talking, but yeah, go back to uh, what you were saying with um, oh. split brain. So Sam Harris talks about this quite a bit, mm. and I believe Jordan Peterson does too. Mm. But um, so there were people who were having seizures, and it was connected, or it was related to um, the connection between the two hemispheres of the brain. Mm. And so they would perform this surgery that where the two halves of the brain were actually disconnected from each other. Mm. And that would stop the seizures from happening. Wow. But what, what they realized after doing that was that the person's personality also was split in two. And so mm. like each half of the brain would have its own and they could, they could access these uh, different states through, um, Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I think they, they put blinders on like maybe over one eye or, or, or something. Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember exactly what they did, but they were able to isolate each brain and they figured out that each brain had different memories, had different motivations, yeah. <laughs> had different yeah. personalities. You know? so, yeah. There was that uh, case. I think it's, it's way early in, in um, psychology study where that gentleman had a rod that pierced through his brain. Phineas uh, Gage. Yes, and he was still alive afterward, and so yeah. they did all sort of you know studies and understood the human mind much much better. And, and now we know that 
He had a different personality after the rod went through his brain. Yes. There's a lot of interconnected system that we don't know how things work. Um, you know, our memories comprise us a lot more than we thought. It just, yeah. yeah. I think, uh, I think brain chemistry and psychology matters a lot going through some of this stuff, because if you, if you view some of this personal development as, uh, you know, what, what do you call it? Uh, fake psychology or, um, uh, pop psychology. Yeah. Like almost like pop psychology. You can't dismiss it out of hand because, we still don't know how the brain works, you know, in all of its uh, totality, mm-hmm. and it's important to, to you know, understand that, because <laughs> because it matters in your own life, but also how you uh, navigate through the challenges in your life if you don't know yourself, and uh, yeah, it's important. <laughs> right. So some of these ideas, like the affirmation, I guess, is mm-hmm. is a way to hack the system in a mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Or- um, and yeah, I mean, we don't understand it. our minds and our, I don't know, our spirit or whatever is, is far more complicated than, than we <laughs> understand, but it is ourselves at the same time. So yeah, it's just, it, it's a strange system. I don't know if I designed the world and if I would have designed it this way, but maybe yeah. this is the only way that it can. Be <laughs> yeah. I think that's a limiting factor. And I wish there was more than one, uh, connecting point between the two hemisphere. It almost seems like a design flaw in regards to that, but uh, you know we evolved that way. Um, so, what other book is on your list? I think we discussed everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I didn't bring up uh, two books, which I think uh one of them is definitely a perennial regardless of what you do in life is how to win friends and influence people by dale carnegie mm-hmm. big uh big fan of that uh and i actually the first time i actually you know it's not fair to say that i've come across some of this when i was 25 because i came across how to win friends when i was a teenager and i remember literally reading the first page and throwing the book down i was just like this is <laughs> This is BS. And I think I was in high school. Like, it was not, I was not ready for this. Somebody and, gave me that book as a gift when I was in high school, too. And I remember mm. it being on my shelf and never reading it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I tried again uh, when I was, you know, in my 20s and, and read it, but still had a very hard time accepting uh, some, some concepts I accepted. Well, and get then, more specific. What, what concepts are you talking about? I think the most difficult one I have is be being interested in people and, or find out other people interesting. And to this day, uh, I would say in the last few months, I've been practicing that more. Um, so outside, after my break from Toastmaster, I started doing volunteering work for this organization that helped me practice active listening skill is actually a, a crisis hotline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I came across another book that talked about active listening and negotiating and it related to sales and what I do. So I decided to, you know, not just read the book, but actually do something that's a little more sticky. And, you know, this way my brain can kind of learn and not just, you know, reading is one thing, but practicing is another. And so how to win friends, I would put on the parental, you know, read once a year, even though sometimes I don't do it. And that, uh, uh, that concept or the, the things they want you to do, I always find the hardest doing <laughs> primarily because I am 
I don't never have enough patience. And then the people I celebrate or admire, like comedians like George Carlin. Are you familiar with him? Sure. Yeah. I Some saw him live one time, actually. Yeah, like I never, I missed my chance to, to do that. One of his bit <laughs> that I'm a big fan of is how his, you know, he, he he's very, he's not vulgar, but he's definitely crossed the line to 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 violence. He's like, here's a list of people. You know, that I like to I like to have, you know, either murder or something terrible happen to them. And one of them is people he, he talks to at family gatherings. It's like, yeah, I'm a great listener up into about a mark of a minute <laughs> or a minute and a half. Right. And it's just hilarious. And he goes into all this bit. And I felt that validate my way of being and interacting with people when it's not. So it took me a long time to realize that. And then, of course, accepting it and then practicing it is a different and it's still very, very challenging for me today to to do that part. Um, have you ever read that book? Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People? Mm-hmm. Um, no, as I think I have an audio version of it uh, mm. that I have yet to listen to. So there, there's obviously some sort of block in in my mind to to actually consuming that. But I, yeah. I'll try. I'll, I'll put some effort into it. <laughs> I would say like some of these books, you know, if you can do the concept, then then you're good. And uh, there's uh, more than enough YouTube uh, videos, some summation, um, you know, uh, versions of this stuff. So if you, but for me, I have to I have to do it and read it and and do and actually you know take the next few months or whatever, do one other thing where it's a little bit more, I would say, practical exercise uh, mm-hmm. than just uh, consuming the book for me. So that's. That's huge. Um, that's huge for me. And then, you know, to this day, let's say the concept is outdated. There's like modern versions of it, but at the core, how to win friends uh, and influence people, for me, is a uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lifelong thing because because there's no way I can. There's some things I am not just not good at. Uh, mm-hmm. And active listening have been evolving a little bit bit for me, uh, but still, uh, I can easily take my mind out of that mode <laughs> yes uh-huh. easily take my mind out of that mode and um uh in my head right even if i'm shaking my head and saying aha uh-huh, and listening i can easily dismiss and i think that's you know that's offensive to a lot of people of course if you're telling them <laughs> if they feel like they're telling an interesting story and in my mind i'm already dismissing it or yawning <laughs> uh, you know, in my head to myself, I know that this is not, you know, correct or healthy. And so that's the biggest challenge I have, um, with this book. That's why I have, uh, I have to come back to it all the time. So, yeah. There's another rule. One of Jordan Peterson's rules is, uh, assume that the person you are listening to might know something you don't. Yes. Yes. That's uh, it's very helpful, but in that in that state, you don't remember all this stuff. <laughs> and so, right. So for well, me, I, uh, I when I'm in conversations with people, sometimes it it can be like extremely uh, uncomfortable for me. Irritating. And, I don't, and this often happens like after a Toastmasters <laughs> meeting, where I'm, you know, where I'm on my way out and <laughs> run into somebody, and then you know exchange pleasantries and the whole time i'm thinking oh my god i i I want to be out of this country and it could be a person that i like you know it's not 
And yeah. I think because, I don't know, there's a lot of pressure there. I, I feel like the, the other person is evaluating me or judging me. And, mm. and I feel like, you know, oh, okay, I have to, I have to put forth some effort to listen to them, <laughs> you know, and, to, you know, to be a good person, you know, and yeah. there's like a whole mental stew that's going on, which, yeah. and that's not happening now, by the way, when we're doing these podcasts. Yes. And I think yeah. that has something to do with, with the framework in which we're having this conversation. You know, yeah. it's when you just run into someone um, and you're talking, like there's no rules. There's the yeah. framework is wide open. And I would say from and listening. That, uh, I was just going to say, and that's uncomfortable, but this is not uncomfortable. So it, there's Correct. something there. I would say, uh, let me take a look. Never split the difference. Yeah, never split the difference by Chris Voss is not in the realm of personal development, but I would also recommend it as well. And so, uh, have you ever heard of this book? Or no. no so I, I read this, or I found out about it. Let's say my last job, so maybe a year or two years ago. Chris Voss is now a a visiting professor at Harvard or something like that. And also, of course, has a podcast and all this jazz. But the book that he wrote came from his experience as an FBI hostage negotiator. And hmm. in the days that he did uh, FBI uh, agent, so to speak, there was no there was very uh, there was a beginning of a hostage negotiating team. Right. And so long story short, he wanted to be on that team when I do all this work come to the boss of that department and the boss was saying, you don't have any experience in psychology. You know, this is not, you're you're just just like, you know, a regular FBI agent cop, so to speak, Uh, come back again. If you do this, I'll let you, you know, try out, for example, uh, lack of a better term. And so he was saying, what do I need to do? And one of the things this boss recommend was to volunteer for a local uh, crisis hotline. And throughout mm-hmm. his experience, he's like, I'm a great listener. I'm a great negotiator. And then one day realizing that when you do this work is not about you uh, and learning how to listen and active listening is all through it. So I read the book and then I was trying to do some of this stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it for my for my current uh, role or career, it, it's not really that, that applicable. However, Going back to how to win friends and influence people and listening to people, it's really helpful. And so one of the t- things I learned in the crisis hotline, and it, you know, we have like a training class for it. You have to take it and be certified. Is to when you're listening, and this is of course a different situation. So you can't really you can apply some of the concepts, you can't apply them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, is to do summarize and reflect. So when someone's talking about oh you know, the trip they had (laughs) or a project they're working on or something that they want to share with you. And in my mind, uh, this is old news. I've already come across this. I don't care, (laughs) (laughs) which is my, which is my default mode. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of the time it's, I don't care. How is this going to help me? Uh, You know, uh, how is this going to do anything to, to better this? And that is, that's a terrible phrase or terrible uh, uh, baseline to be in. The baseline you want to be in is um, summarizing what they just talked about. And 
it seems so simple, but it's very hard to do. Uh, and so it helps you, for me at least, I have a tendency to talk over. You've already experiencing this on this podcast. <laughs> so when I ask a question, this, which is why I kind of like the interviewer kind of mindset. When you, for small talk, you have to adapt and modify this. But asking questions, like just one question deeper into the conversation allows you to shut up and then summarize later and then end the conversation and that person will feel better because uh, mm-hmm. they feel like they listen to and so uh typically i haven't well, applied and you all. have to listen to them in order to summarize them right right so it's not so much taking notes but in your mind just pick out like the one thing oh that was really cool uh you know and just ask one level you know ask like a how or what or a why one layer deeper and in a light conversation uh, you will achieve that. It's very hard to do. Uh, and I, yeah, I think other than working in social work, which I found out from doing this, this volunteer experience, volunteer experience, learned that a lot of social workers, this is what they do. They listen uh, mm-hmm. and care. And it's very hard to do that uh, in a normal day-to-day situation. Social working, you know, the people or clients or people that you are dealing with have, huge challenges in their life right extraordinary challenges and so it's easy to do that in normal <laughs> hey what's up uh boy <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh so i would recommend checking the book out and checking some of this um i would say active listening uh things that he share and maybe implement in one or two ideas see if it works for you uh and of course any other one any other person listening if they have including me i have to continue doing that it's very it's easy to say it's very hard to do but yeah <laughs> so uh, is there um some kind of summary that we can put on this conversation what what, what are the salient points that we discussed it, I think, well first of all was there another book you wanted to talk about uh the last one the last two i just mentioned real quick it's not really in the sense of same with uh same with never split the difference they're not in the category of personal development but i think they're important to read if you ever do uh anything related to uh, a side business perhaps or you know a different way of looking at um different way of looking at uh, certain things, not just for your day job. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say the E-Myth. I'm a big fan of the E-Myth, which is stand for the Entrepreneur Myth by uh, this little author called Michael Gerber. The, no one heard this book, but I'm a huge fan of it. I recommend to anybody that I know that runs their own little you know, business or a small business owner, for example. Uh, so that's a big... Uh, the core of that is that you want to make everything into system and processes, which is how I learn about system and processes and try to implement when I was um, president for Apex Toastmaster. And mm-hmm. so the idea is you either franchise or systematize things so that when you're not there, things will still work. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the short of it. And it's a tiny, tiny, short little book. Uh, gets to the point real fast. Very easy read. And then the other one is... Um, a little bit controversial so you know don't i would say take the kind of like the secret take the ideas out of it right um and instead of um <laughs> instead of just being you know be, being big fan and no critical thinking apply it's rich dad and poor dad by robert kiyosaki oh i i did read that yeah 
I've big read fan of big fan of him as well. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, I forgot still, about that one. Some some ideas are like you know like all right whatever, but definitely give it a shot and and well one one idea that I think makes a lot of sense is from that book was that rich people buy assets and mm-hmm. poor pe- poor minded people buy um you know I don't know objects. liabilities yeah liabilities. liabilities yeah and and the idea is you know you want to buy things that generate money mm-hmm. <laughs> so. It's very- like yeah. a house is a liability, but mm. if you and let, but if you buy a rental property and rent it to other people, then then that yeah. generates income. So. Yeah, I uh, I'm a big fan enough so that I um, actually invested in his board game, and then mm. I make my nephew and nieces play with me once every now and then uh, to kind of refresh, uh, refresh their. <laughs> they don't like it too much, but they they you know allow along with other board games. So uh, it's not like that's the only board game we play. So they kind of give me the uh you know bear with me while i push them to to do certain things so yeah maybe but, that's uh, a podcast we could do where you and i will play games. that board game and, <laughs> and we'll record it it takes a very long time and then you have to be in person yeah i don't know how we can do it virtually but uh no, no, no. I, I can come over to your place okay. <laughs> <laughs> we need two or three people like most board games to, to make it work but yeah but uh yeah, have you have have you ever played that board game? No, but I remember him talking about it. Mm, it's very easy and I guess somewhat fun to teach some of these concepts without you know forcing it down a teenager's throat to read the book, and uh, it definitely backfired on me when I tried to make my nephews and nieces. Uh, were you there? Well, the one time I gave a speech about how I give my nephew and nieces books for for Christmas. Uh, that doesn't sound familiar to me. So, so I I forgot what I was not. talking about, but I I. At some point, I think it was it was still too early. They were still below twelve years old. I decided to I decided to stop giving them um, you know toys and video games and all that jazz and mm-hmm. switch to books. And I was not I was not the popular uncle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I modify after a while and um, just do it you know uh, pieces at a time and still do the normal back to normal Christmas gifts. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, uh, summation, I would say to your question uh, that some of this stuff is fundamental and I wish it was really introduced to me early on. I wish that, you know, core concepts like how you approach a problem, how you think about yourself matters. And of course, knowing certain states also matters, uh, like accepting failure and a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. I wish I was introduced them early on um, so that I know how to navigate certain things in life, regardless of what career uh, I choose. Right. And I would say maybe not high school, but definitely college, at least one or two of these books. Right. And then uh, actually encouraged to just kind of explore and, um, you know, have conversation about it. And there's no class for that unless you're in a philosophy class, which is just teach about ancient philosophy <laughs> yeah I, I think unfortunately if you're not ready to receive these lessons they won't mm. sink in so if True. you read the book and you you're just not open to it it's it's, it's probably not going to have much impact on you. yeah true so there has to be like a synergy at work yeah a time timing is actually a big deal uh 
One last book I didn't bring up is The Happiness Advan Advantage by Sean Aker. Have hmm. you come no, across it? Nope. Sean Aker uh, is a TED Talk, you know, book writer. Uh, used to, he might even teach a class now, but used to be um, a Harvard. He applied to Harvard out of, you know, just randomness and got accepted. And come to come to learn that his classmates are not happy. And so he come to the conclusion that just because you think you, you know, let's say I, I, if I become a lawyer, I'll be happy because I make this much money. Uh, and he said, that's not true. You got to reverse the equation. The equation is you got to be happy now. And your behavior will be happy and then you will do the thing that will make you happy and therefore you will achieve the success that you want. So it switches the, the whole complete model uh, instead of, um, you know, uh, if I have this, then I'll do this and I'll be this versus it should be be and then have and then do. Uh, yeah, so I, mean, that, yeah. Um, I think that the same mindset that I talked to is very much of the opinion that. Um, have? The, well, no, that that if I only if only I could do this, this and this, then everything will be good. Mm. Or, you know, if if. If only this would change, then then mm -hmm. I would I would be happy. Yeah, and that's never true. That's, <laughs> that's never true. Because if you you know like let's say your, that, your high school, that, high school that experience, yeah that that time period or the, or the, the that'll never it'll either never happen or <laughs> when it does happen you still won't be happy. You know. <laughs> right. So if you you take football because that's the sport you play in high school, right? If you were if you have amazing throwing arm, then you can be the quarterback. And then you'll be happy, right? It's 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 the reverse. You got <laughs> you gotta be happy first, and then you know if you're not good at football, then you can play another sport, you know, and then you'll be okay. So it's uh, well, it's very yeah, hard. It's it's not necessarily happiness, but like you tend to like hang your potential self worth on that event mm. happening. Mm. Yeah. So I and that just. That always fails. <laughs> <laughs> what are your summation for for all this? Uh... So there's definitely a lot of themes that overlap. The the be proactive, uh, take responsibility for situations. Um, you know, th there's the whole mindset thing that that is emphasized by thinking grow rich and um, and the secret, uh, but. You got to be realistic about you know what you want to achieve with with that, um, mm. and yeah, I mean, I think that's the main one is is like how you think will definitely determine your success or failure. Mm. Um, I, I think twelve rules for right for life uh, brings that up. The secret. Thinking grow yep. rich. I think they all bring that up. Actually, seven habits of highly successful people. Mm. Um, it's hmm. so. I guess that would be the point of commonality. Is is it, if you're in a if you want to improve your life, you probably have to improve the way you think. Yeah, one of uh, one of of course my biggest idol is Bruce Lee, and he's actually a 
kind of a amateur philosopher as well, among other things, being an amazing mm -hmm. martial arts. And one of his quotes that I really, really like to apply to some of this stuff, because sometimes, like for me, you know, falling into the deep pool of the, the secret is uh, for him, this is martial art, but this quote was so uh, in my in my understanding of it and how I, I'm a, how I am a fan of it is very applicable to almost everything else is including including some of this personal development stuff is adapt what is useful reject what is useless and add what is specifically your own and hmm. he wrote that in the context of you know his martial art jikundo that he developed but take that out of that context and apply it to everything else like you know your life your career so on and so forth definitely personal development books um allow me to kind of distill information a lot and then taking out what I like um, and then just essentially throw the rest away, right? And allow me to kind of forgive certain things and certain information I'll come across. Uh, and it's a big fan of that quote. I think a good quote to land on for, uh, for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good job. Right, we <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of the Epic Meta Podcast. Uh, have a wonderful day and I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Take care. Hey, this is Tang here with the Epic Meta Podcast team. Thank you so much for listening. Did you listen to the whole episode? <laughs> Did you enjoy it? Were there things that we missed? Were there topics you would like for us to dive deeper into? And of course, what other topics should we discuss in the future? If you have any of these thoughts or comments, please share with us what you think and how you feel regarding the current episode and of course uh, other ideas that you might have for future episodes below as always thank you so much for listening and until next time be good and be well